The introduction for the Jay and Keith show is currently under construction. We appreciate your patience as we strive to build a better podcast for tomorrow, today. I don't know why I feel like throwing bows, you know? I kind of say head like, bob, yeah. I just kind of, you know, throw some bows like in here. We're, we're, cutting, we're kind of getting like Night at the Roxbury, Stephen Doug Butabi head bob a little bit going there. I, I don't know who any of these people are. You, uh, you remember the Night at the Roxbury? I do remember Will that. Ferrell and Chris Catan, yeah. No, I do, I do remember that. Stephen Doug Butabi? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Emilio Estevez! Yeah, it was great. Great, great time. <sighs> Terrible movie, but also... One of those movies that's terrible in a way that's really fun and enjoyable. And and you watch it a lot, I can tell. So. Uh, no, I haven't. I, that's a no. lie. It's a lie. Keith's a lie. I haven't watched it in He was five watching years. it in the office today. I don't want to talk about it. Um, I'm just kidding. All right, let's talk about what we uh, have. What is love? It sure isn't that. Don't hurt me. Or no more. Yeah, what don't hurt me no more. Yeah, that's right. Um, God, that's going to be in my head all day, man. It's going to be yeah. in my head. Uh, let me tell you what's not going to hurt anymore is Benavy Jenkins because I've gotten out of the way and I'm set her up for you um, to get spiked on. That's basically what I've done. So the, the yeah, no, the volleyball parlance is the setter has put this on a cloud for the hitter. See, and she is going to as she did her whole career at Florida has knocked it out and is a head coach at ETSU. They are rolling right now, 10 of 11, right? Very, very good. 10 of 11, 4-0 in the SoCon. Yep. Big series coming up this weekend with two trips, Western Carolina, UNCG, both pretty good squads. So uh, they, this will be another big measuring stick for that group. But they already beat the preseason favorite in uh, in Brooks. So I think they will be pretty all right. After I mean, that went over Wofford. I was like, oh, they might be pretty good. And I think it's clear that they're very good, and they're very good as a team. Yeah, and, you know, last weekend they were at Sanford Mercer. Then for another road swing, they're at, I think, UNCG first, then Western Carolina. So, uh, you know, back-to-back road weekends, you know, 10 of 11, kind of rock and rolling. If you've not heard her speak before, great, great personality. She likes to have a lot of fun, always smiling and laughing no matter when you see her. Now, I'm not in practice when she's yelling at people, so I'm not sure if she's smiling then, but (laughs) – as far as around the office and, and after games and all that, just great to, to deal with. She's going to wrap up our show, our middle segment. We're going to do the new thing. We're going to do Say What? Say What. Yes. Okay. Say What? There it was. I was waiting on that. Uh, what? That I did not set up on a cloud, apparently, for you. No, you uh, did not. And then uh, the first segment. And I don't know if we'll do this uh, very uh, – I mean, it's not a week. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, inside the Dome. Doc Sander randomly today said, hey, um, I've been told there's a lot of Twitter fodder about football and a lot of questions out there about some things. Can you get some of the questions? And I was like, yes. I said, I can reach out to a lot of the, the people that I follow that there, I know we're doing some, that. There are several diehards in there that, that uh, yes, you and, have you've had some back and forth with, really more of forth than back. I guess at times. Yeah, but. true. Um, but I, I did. I you know. But hey, people, people got a vent. People got a vent. People, and people are mad. People are passionate. They they. We would rather you care than not care. Yes, because you you show up and you buy tickets. You care that we've seen other schools. They don't care. There's the one fan. Mm-hmm. Sorry, West Carolina and Colt. You're the one fan. I mean, it, oh. it just is what it is. Cole's a passionate fan. He loves Western Carolina. But there's not droves of Western Carolina people out there beating the drum. There are other fan bases that have you know. A few folks, ETSU, tend to be a mob and tend to go at people very heavily when things are going right. 
sometimes they turn inward when things are going wrong, and that happens. But that being said, I reached out. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six different uh, Twitter uh, folks that sent questions. Dr. Sander has not seen these questions. He is going to come in here and just whenever we hit this bump music in a second that he has not heard. Uh, when the music plays, I'm going to wave him in. He's going to sit down. We're going to ask him these questions and things he can answer. And I'm looking at the questions. There's a lot of these he can answer, at least give you thoughts on. There are some things, X's and O's, to be honest with you. I don't know how he's going to answer them or what he'll say. And then there's a few things, legal stuff, I will see. I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of all of these. Yes. Yes. Uh, one thing, one thing we, I mean, we can talk about um, some different stuff. I don't, I don't know what we'll, what all we'll get into. I know a lot of people had questions about like the coaching search and and things around Coach Quarles and um, all of that business. So um, we'll, we'll we'll see how much we can shed light on. But certainly, no more authoritative figure at the time that we are in now than the athletic director. So I, I think Jay, it's time to go inside the dome. The man in charge. Doc. Doc. I shouldn't have to remind you, I'm a doctor. Goes in the hot seat. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions that I want them answered immediately. I'm your huckleberry. It's inside the dome. Did he just call it a dome? Dome, 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 dome. All right, it's Jade's Keith. It's Dr. Sander, the athletic director here at ETSU, and a new segment called inside the dome didn't you just hear that i did i did it was a nice job by you nice. i spent i spent like 20 minutes on that it was good it was good 20 minutes you told me we were doing this and i was like hey we should probably put something together for the ad and did we we did i ah, know we, we did just, i'm just kidding i'm just kidding yes we did we did i paid attention all right that being said um i'm jay he's keith that's uh doc Shanner. doc yeah, that's quite an introduction you guys put together. I hope I can live up to it. Well, you threw something out there, sort of a gauntlet challenge. Um, that just may not even be the right word. But basically we were talking and you said, hey, a lot of people are asking questions and you've always wanted to be transparent and talk about things. And so that's where we are. You want to talk transparency? You said a lot of questions about football. Um, I know there are several Twitter folks out there and said, hey, why don't you send me your football questions and I will not – edit them i will not ask doc uh beforehand until uh he sits down and i will ask him the questions the only thing i asked was uh to the twitter followers a they at least put their twitter handle on it they don't put their name on it but at least twitter handle on it and then two nothing derogatory and uh, you know just keep it clean you, know, you can be <laughs> upset or whatever but just keep it clean that was my only thing because otherwise i you know i can't do what we need to do so and I'm going to go how they came in to me in order of questions, and then uh, uh, me and Keith will fire at you, and you, you answer at will is what we've been told is going to happen here. What do you think of that? Yeah, I know that's good. And so anybody that's listening that has questions, just reach out to Jay, and we'll do this. How often are we going to do this, Jay? Uh, you know, we, we'll see how it goes, a week or two. I, mean, yeah. I, I don't know it'll be a weekly thing. Um, but certainly as questions come in, I can save them and we can do an inside the dome and, and answer questions. So I'm going to start with at slightly off keys. And so uh, his questions are all kind of building off the same thing. The first is the previous AD was dedicated to the FCS model, ETSU staying in the SOCON. That being said, do you see ETSU just as an FCS school in the future? 
Well, I, I mean, I think the landscape of college athletics is, is you know, really uh, in turmoil right now. So I'm not sure what anything's going to look like in the future, um, whether there will be what we see as FCS right now, if that'll be the way it is in, in three or four or five years. Um, so I think for the immediate future, I don't see any real um, major uh, initiative to really change from from where we are right now. I think the cost of going FBS is really um, it, it really uh, keeps um, us from seriously talking about going FBS. I mean, the stadium isn't big enough. Um, just the cost. I know I have friends who uh, programs have gone from FCS to FBS. You know, one of my good friends is Wood Seelig, who's the AD at, at um, Old Dominion. And, uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think if you ask him again, I think they'd go. Um, we were doing pretty good when we were FCS, and our basketball program was really good, and our other sports are really good. And there was a pretty serious drain on um, resources when uh, school goes and FBS now you know and I'm sure a lot of people here you know look at App State and you know say well you know ETSU could be having those kind of results um, yeah but I think you know that that horse is out of the barn that was decision was made 20 years ago to get to that point and I think right now the landscape's changed so dramatically to get to where they are and I think you know I think even at FBS you're going to have a bifurcated model um, in the future so I think you'll see the power five guys just continually do everything they'll do everything within their power to make a bigger differentiation you know a bigger um, gap between the FCS I mean the power five guys and the group of five guys. So, and the question came in kind of, can ETSU do, and you said App State, uh, James Madison on the FBS level. And yeah. I, I would argue I just looked up the student fee. Yeah, I mean, I mean in James Madison's budget, and, and I know Jeff Bourne and I are very, very good friends. Jeff, Jeff Bourne's the AD at, at JMU, and, of course, you know, we were in the same conference when I was at, you know, VCU, and Jeff was at JMU. I mean, their athletic budget is about – 48 million dollars a year it's more than a lot of the when they were fcs their budget was more than a lot of the fbs um, programs i know that um, james madison's probably had a six million dollar bigger budget than um, old dominion and old dominion was fbs and madison was fbs but they've made a major initiative they spent tons of money and you know like like uh, you mentioned i think their student fee has um, basically supported their program for for a long time, and their students are basically paying a couple thousand dollars a year to have that program. Twenty three thirty one per student at twenty thousand seventy kids. It's over forty six million dollars. I just did the math. Right, and so you know, so you think that's their student fee revenue, and then you, you know, whatever other revenues they have on there, they've got a pretty substantial budget. That just, I mean, it just doesn't work here. <laughs> You, I want to, before we get to the next question, you have a lot of connections in the athletic administration world and people I've talked to, whether it's administrators, it's reporters who have very deep connections to university administrators around the country. They're all talking about basically everything in division one uh, is, is on the table in terms of, you know, splitting the power five and the group of five or removing college football from NCAA purview, all these things. What's that chatter like? And, and what is the, the chatter particularly like? among FCS and the one AAA, the non-football administrators who maybe could get left behind by the Power Five in pursuit of the almighty dollar here? 
Well, yeah, I mean, but, you know, it's always been a problem. You know, it's always been an issue. I can remember back in 1986 and 87, there was a a fear that, you know, the Power Five and the football-playing guys were just going to separate from the NCAA uh, way back when. I remember Vic Bubis, who was commissioner, our commissioner, way back when, when we were in the Sun Belt, you know, he worked really hard to try to build relationships with, you know, at that time. Um I don't even know what they were called. BCS, you know, maybe bowl coalition or coalition, whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, the bowl coalition. Yeah, so, right. so I think there's always been that issue. I think, you know, what we need to do at ETSU, we need to figure out, you know, exactly where we are happy being and what we can afford. And then, you know, people really embrace what we're doing. You know, uh, clearly, you know, there's been some mistakes made at ETSU. I don't, you know, I don't argue that point, you know, but we're, we look at those things and we continue to do things. I think even when we restarted football back in whatever year it was, 14 or 15, I mean, we went back to the early 2000s and looked at some of the things that were done then and we tried to make sure we didn't make those same mistakes. So that's kind of where we are right now. You know, we need to position ourselves so we're in the best possible spot for the resources that we have available to us and, you know, where we are. So, I mean, that's what we're trying to do right now. The next question is the last one from uh, Slightly Off Keys. Uh, You obviously don't envision yourself doing this in 10 years. Uh, (laughs) So you are tasked with uh, finding a successor for yourself. Is FBS experience something you would want in the next athletic director at East Tennessee State? Um, I'd want somebody that's really a good leader. You know, I think that's the most important thing. I think somebody that's smart, somebody that has a lot of understanding of where where college athletics are going, whether they have FBS experience or not. You know, I'm not sure that that's a critical component. But I think somebody that's led, somebody that's made decisions, somebody that has um, been able to, to – Uh, understand the processes that are needed to be successful somebody that can build you know on the things that are here and continue to create a a culture that you know embraces um, our student athletes clearly but also the community I think we have a great opportunity here and you know this is one of our focus right now is to really focus on our student athletes and having a great great experience for them but I think our community if we can kind of come together you know I think that was one of the things that you know uh, and I probably shouldn't say this but I will you know when coach Forbes was here I think he that was really a time when people were really feeling good about things and came together and really supported ETSU and everything not just basketball but I think you know basketball was kind of the cornerstone of all that support you know we changed our marks we did all those sort of things and people were really excited football was building so I think you know hopefully we can you know look at some of the things that have been problematic over the last few years um, understand what those were correct those and move forward with you know with vision and and uh, enthusiasm coach got a, a lot of questions we're talking to Dr. Richard Sander inside the dome Jay and Keith with you and uh, we've asked Twitter Buck followers, uh, faithful people that are very passionate Buck fans is probably a good way to word it, that have been asking questions. So we asked him to ask him directly, Dr. Sander, to answer. He doesn't, he, he's not read any of these. We're reading them to him live. And ETSU Buckeye, I'm going to combine because ETSU Buckeye uh, and at Thomas Stokes 3 and at Scott Lawson have asked similar. So I'm going to kind of ask them kind of together, but I'll ask what they said individually so that they know that I asked their specific question. The first one was, um, 
Last season when ETSU performed a coaching search, there were a lot of names that were leaked, sources close to the department, confirmed candidates who were interviewed. Coral seemed to be a surprise hire to many. There were rumors that he never interviewed for the position. Can you shed some light on that as AD process? Now, to follow up on that, Thomas says that uh, he heard from two different, entirely different people that Corals did not apply or interview for the coaching position. And would you be willing to accept a FOIA request to kill all the rumors, or can you just address the rumors right now? Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if I can or I can't. You know, I really wasn't involved in the search at all. Um, so uh, I I know that, you know, there were numerous people interviewed. You know, I know at one point Jeff Fisher had thrown his hat into the ring. And at one point, uh, I mean, that's who I thought was going to come here because, you know, I had been asked to try to help arrange getting Jeff from Nashville to here and the plan was that they were going to meet with the president and then pretty much was going to be a done deal so then I think that kind of fell apart so at that point you know, I didn't know too much that what was going on I know there were uh, four or five names uh, I'm pretty sure now you know like I said I'm pretty sure um, that coach Quarles was interviewed um, I'm almost 100% sure. I wasn't involved in it, and I don't know for sure, but there were four or five names. And I think at that time, uh, and I don't want to misspeak, but from what I know, I think they were all Zoom interviews, and so I'm pretty sure Coach Quarles was interviewed. Um, uh, I know that he was interviewed the last time when Randy was hired. I know that for a fact um, and was a serious contender for the job then um i'm pretty sure he was i mean like i said i wasn't involved i mean i was just kind of on the periphery because uh when i found out the decision was made is when you know we we uh you remember we played georgia, georgia. In basketball and so i found out about five minutes before it got leaked it when you told me right so, <laughs> so yeah we went down to um georgia to play basketball and uh flew down with president nolan and he told me you know maybe an hour before you know i kind of shared you and then like i like you said you know right after that it was uh, leaked out to the public so i'm pretty sure he was interviewed i don't think knowing the university the way i know it i don't think they um you know our hr process would allow that to happen so and this is a follow-up that you may or not be able to answer but can you talk about uh who actually was considered which i think you addressed a little bit this is from thomas stokes again matt roll who was the um offense tyler roll tyler roll the The offensive coordinator at north coast where you just came from yes and he confirmed to you that he was at least contacted or did he interview or do you know uh he um he said that he was he interviewed for the position yeah i'm pretty sure he did um and i can't remember all the people that interviewed and this was like I said I wasn't involved in any of the interviews right but I, I'm pretty sure um, the coach from VMI was interviewed I can't think of his name right now I think he was a candidate oh, Scott 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 Walken. Walken. Yeah, yeah I'm yep. pretty sure he was interviewed uh, I know they talked to Jeff Fisher like I said I'm trying to think of who else um, so obviously Billy Taylor. coach Taylor was was interviewed I know that um and so if I could touch on that just because Scott Lawson and that's why I'm trying to tie all the coaching right. wins together before we move on uh, he won't, Scott want to know how you came up, uh, you meaning ETSU, uh, not you personally, Dr. Sander, uh, how you came up with the fifth best offense coordinator in SOCON and the national championship offense coordinator interviewed plus the in-house candidate with the best defense in the league and was able to come up with George Corals. But as you said, you weren't the guy that made the decision or, or in the interview process. Yeah. So I, 
I can ask the questions. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think you know, and, and I mean, that's an that's a question for for Scott. You know what I mean? Um, but I think the logic behind it, you know, Coach Quarles had been a very successful high school coach in in Tennessee. I think felt, you know, that one of the you know, one of the important pieces was that we would be able to recruit Tennessee. I think they, it was also the, the thought process was that, you know, Coach Quarles would be very familiar with the Southern Conference because he, he had played at Furman, he had coached at Furman, he kind of knew what it took to win in, in, in the SOCON. So um, those are just the things that I heard. I, I wish I knew more, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I think that's it. I mean, I think his... Um, his record at, at Maryville clearly was probably the, you know, the major reason why. So I, here's a question, and again, this is from ETSU Buckeye and Thomas Stokes. They very similar in nature, um, not exactly same. I'm going to read them as is. So again, I, I promise those guys I would I would read their questions. So ETSU Buckeye, I've seen he said he's seen multiple players like tweets posed from fans who criticized coaches, play calling, mentioned how other coaches should have been hired. How would you like to see the coach regain the trust with the team? Are you worried about potential losing the locker room completely, or do you feel like this is natural uh, to the adversity? And actually, Doc, before you answer, Thomas Stokes saw something similar, and, and at Thomas Stokes 3, uh, he was saw parents were frustrated in the past game uh, against UTC, saw parents, uh, players yelling at each other, fighting amongst themselves. Social media has been ablaze with parents attacking parents. Is that a reflection of the coaching staff? So you sort of got ETSU Buckeye uh, talking about players and fans, Chris and coaches. You got parents. Is this all basically uh, something that can be solved? Is this just sort of the nature when you're not winning? How do you see it? I mean, I think it's a reflection of that. Um, I think if we can win a few games, then uh, I think that'll go away. Um, but, uh, I mean, we're not oblivious to it. I think, you know, that's reality. You know, social media, everybody has a platform. Everybody can kind of share their thoughts. And hopefully, you know, you have tough enough skin that you, you deal with it. And you really try to build that trust in the locker room. So when you have adversity, you know, people come together and, you know, are willing to fight and, you know, uh, do it together, you know. Um it's it's a tough deal, you know. Losing is 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 problematic, but you know, hopefully, like I said, hopefully, you know, we've got enough leadership within the locker room that can pull those guys together. And um, I'm not sure it's a, I'm not sure it's a, a you know, a, what was you know a, a factor of, of the coaches. I just think it's a factor of not winning games, and those coaches haven't been here that long to really build that, um, you know, build that unity so they can fight together hopefully that'll be built and eventually you know when you have a, a you know a, a blip in the radar you, you can get through that the next question from thomas stokes you want etsu football to be ndsu consistent success or sam houston state follows the face of the earth i feel like that's like a one-word answer yes yeah, ndsu yeah right that's yeah true. i mean but you know clearly the they've got a great tradition they've built it over the years they were really good at division two they're good now and you know that's part of what they've been able to build over the years i think one of the things people got to realize this program is really young and you know it's funny I, i'll never forget when carl you know was recruiting kids before we ever had played a game you know i kind of uh, he asked me to speak to the parents, and I told him kind of my vision, you know, and I said, you know, we'd do this the first year, second year, you know, we'd do this, and by the fourth year, you know, we're 
we're in business, we're going to win the conference championship and go to the FCS playoffs. And after, you know, the session, Carl came to me, hey, he said, hey, Doc, can you kind of downplay yeah. the expectations? <laughs> you can't you know? that down. <laughs> 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 and, and, but, you know, the reality of it is, in the fourth year, we did win and go win the conference and go to, you know, the, um, you know, the, the, FCS playoffs and I hope you know we've had a lot of success and pretty quick you know considering you know in 2013 we didn't even own a football you know so um, I'm not making excuses I'm not saying anything I want to win I think our fans want to win but you know we've had a lot of success so hopefully we can you know get back to that all right last question from Thomas and we'll get to the mutiny uh, uh, why does it seem like football is kind of half done the faded conference banners still do not have last year's championship on it looks like other schools have already unveiled their conference championship banners and have them up yeah that's my fault I take full credit for that because I think when I kind of came in there was some plan to move forward with that but as we looked at it there were some fairly challenging issues that were out there because of the way the banners were put up and you know so we have a plan you know and we wanted to get through this season we are going to recognize the 2021 SOCON championship team you know at homecoming and put some things up there to recognize that but the long-term plan is to do something that uh, will last a whole lot longer than those banners that were put up because they faded and, you know, uh, probably wasn't a great way to do that starting out. So but we're going to paint that, you know, that that um, facade of the lower, you know, the lower uh, part of the, the uh, stadium, and I think that'll last a lot longer. It'll look better, and that's kind of the plan. But the reason it hasn't been done, that I kind of put a halt on that because um, I didn't think we were, we had the right plan. I got a question from the Mutiny. Uh, they want to talk about uh, football, X's and O's, which I know is your field of expertise. It is. Yes, very much so. Last year, uh, ETSU outscored opponents 425 295, uh, came into the new season being told there would be a high powered offense. Uh, yet to see it except against Robert Morris, who hasn't really exactly lit the world on fire. What's the breakdown and what needs to change? You know, I think we, uh, you know, I could kind of be try to be funny and say you know i think we need to you know go to the full court press and get after people and run and jump you know that's yeah, kind of what goalie, i know right? yeah, yeah pull, pull the goal yeah, and you know, do that kind of thing you know clearly you know um the offense has struggled um a lot of new faces i guess a lot of new faces in the offensive line you know and and i think last year just a lot of things came together you know you had you know, Quay and, you know, the ability to run the ball, I think, opened a lot of other things up. Clearly, we haven't um, had a had done a, done a we, we haven't had that kind of ground game this year. So I think that's kind of impacted our ability to throw the ball. And, you know, the other thing I think last year's team was really good at is we really didn't make many mistakes. And so no penalties and no turnovers. And the margin of victory is so small that, you know, you just can't do those things. We've had some of those this year. So um, hopefully we'll get that straightened out and, you know, but, I really don't know the answer, to be perfectly honest. You know, I could probably elaborate a lot more on basketball than I could on football. And so X's and O's, that's um, – I could draw some, you know. But when I played, you know, back in the day, when I played, you know, the offense had looked a whole lot different than they do today. Now, give it a couple of weeks and we might squeeze in some hoops. Yeah, exactly. We can talk more about hoops. But, you know, I just hope people kind of – 
give the give Coach Quarles a chance to, you know, really implement his his style and his his uh, offense, and um, hopefully he will get better and better at it as as time goes on. The, at the mutiny also wants to know why is this a one back offense? Jacob Saylor's incredible athlete. Seems like he could do more if Bryson Irby got more touches turning that more into a one-two punch is kind of like what we had with Holmes and Sailors. Yeah, I, I mean, like I say, I'm not a, I'm not a football uh, X's and O's guy. Maybe I can, one day we can get Mike Smith on here, coach the Falcons. He could probably answer these questions a whole lot better than me. I saw Mike in the booth on Saturday. He looked great. Yeah, Mike's doing great. We play golf together every once in a while. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I'm not an expert. You know, Mike could probably, we'll get him on here. and You know, he can answer some of y'all's questions. You know, he knows a whole lot more football than me. Uh, yeah, I love the sound of that. Uh, this is from uh, at Scott underscore Lawson 17. Uh, Doc, five games into the season, uh, expectations were – Deep run into the playoffs. Bucks are 0-3 in the SoCon, 2-3. and Offense seems like 1998. Where does the program go for here in terms of keeping players bought in while in a world of the transfer portal? You know, where yeah. players can leave pretty much whenever they want. Yeah, they sure can. Um, man, Scott, that's a good question. I think we just have to be, um, you know, really on top of this. And um, the coaches, I know Coach Quarles is really working hard to – um connect with all the players um so much of dealing with um today's student athletes is communication and being you know up front with them and and building the trust with them i think you know when i talk to coaches across the country and you know i'm more like i said I, you know i'm clearly more connected to basketball coaches and football coaches but as I talk to you know coaches across the country they all talk about the same thing exactly the question that you're asking Scott and they just continually emphasize it's all about building trust with the players of communicating with them of knowing them as a person and really getting to um, understand them and being um, very intentional and very almost vulnerable when you talk to them to let them know how much um, you're connected with them, what you're trying to do. and um, But, you know, that's a process. That just doesn't happen. And so I know Coach Quarles is working really hard. All our, our, all our uh, coaches are. But, you know, in today's world, Scott, you know, I mean, I hate to talk, talk, you know, you know, I think everybody knows Forbes and I are good friends. I mean, I talked to Steve and I mean, he says that the transfer portal is just basically um, changing college athletics to the degree of, you know, you go out and you recruit, you recruit a player you really hard and you think you have a great relationship with them. You think you got them. And then um, one of the schools here in the SEC will just come in and drop four or $500,000 on them. And all that time that you spent recruiting that kid and his family and everybody around them is just kind of wasted. And I think, you know, that's kind of where we are right now um, with all the players. You know, I think there is um, this thought, this idea that um, they can go somewhere else and, you know, get a better deal, for lack of a better term. And so you really have to work really, really hard. And, um, you know, those are one of the things, you know, we're trying to do right now. Today, you know, I met with some, you know, some of our student athletes and it, it, it was really interesting to hear their take on things. And so 
I'm trying to meet with them in small groups to kind of get a feel for, you know, what their thoughts are, what they care about, what's important to them. And as we do that, hopefully we can develop, you know, programs and processes and ways to make them really connected to ETSU and ETSU football for football, but for um, just about everything. And it, and it was really interesting because Josh Taylor is one of our basketball players and he was there and he was saying the reason he came here, uh, he could have been, you know, he was at Georgia and he was saying that um, other, you know, power five places recruited him. But the reason he came here is he felt that, you know, uh, Coach Oliver and you know the people here really cared about him more as a person than as just a guy that could you know get rebounds and score buckets. So um, that's what we have to do, you know. And you know, of course, everybody wants to win. Um, uh, we we do need to win. I, I mean, I, I don't think there's any question. We we do need to win. That's part of having a good mm -hmm. experience for our for our student athletes, you know. So. Um, we just have to continue, you know. It, I make no promises about that one, but um, you know, I know they're working hard at it. I know they're working hard to try to develop those relationships. You know, the word you hear all the time is culture. It's probably a little bit overused, but um, hopefully, we can create an identity and a connection. Yeah, I and I, I'm obviously a little sensitive to this stuff because I transferred to ETSU as an undergrad in the first place from Western Kentucky. So um, I, I took advantage of that to come to a place that kind of let me do what I loved and. Uh, I sort of fell backwards into it, but uh, really, you know, loved being able to come here and, and do what I did at, at East Tennessee State. Before we get to our last question from Goots, you mentioned culture. It has kind of become a cliche, I feel like, particularly in football and hoops. But how I mean, so much of culture is built around legacy and seniors mentoring young players and showing them this is how we do things here. Now a lot of those seniors leave. The way that your coaches leave, too. How fragile is culture in an environment where everybody has the opportunity to leave and you never have any certainty of anyone or anything in any given moment? Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that's probably one of the things that we're going through a little bit now. You know, I think some of those guys that were leaders on the team last year and, – and I, I don't want to act like I got the answers because I don't. And, I, and like I say, I'm – I wasn't that involved the last three or four years. Mm -hmm. But being on the periphery and seeing things, you know, guys like Jared Folks and Tyree Robinson and Quay Holmes, those guys were those guys were kind of leaders. They kind of kept things together. They kind of were the guys that, you know, really um, were the glue that made sure everybody did what they were supposed to do. And a lot of those guys are gone. And while you can say, well, you know, they they were good players and probably the guys that are playing in their place now are good players too. They may not have those leadership um, qualities that Jared and Quay and Tyree had, you know. So I think that's one of the things that is missing from this team. Though, have we really seen that leadership from the guys you know and like I said that these games are so close who knows what little thing is going to win a game for you and you know talking to coach Quarles we need some people to step up we need some people to make plays you know you win games when guys make plays and so 
we just don't see we haven't had those guys make plays yet where last year you know um, there were games Will Huzzy would catch a touchdown pass in the last 10 seconds or you know something like that Quay would you know break a tackle and get a cru- crucial first down and not not that you know these our guys aren't capable of doing that it just hasn't seemed to happen this year yeah that's I think that's why a lot of fans remember Austin Herrick very fondly right because he was never the biggest or the fastest or the strongest guy on the field but he he had a commanding presence about him and he could lead a team to wins in those tight games last question is from at Goots um you ready for more football questions Uh, aside from injuries what can we attribute the struggles on the offensive line to I know that seems more like a question for George Quarles but I said I'd pass it along yeah, like I say, I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a foot, I'm not a football guy. Um, I, I, I wish I knew. I'm sure he wish he knew too. But um, I'm sure they're working really hard at it. You know, I, I, um, and, and you know, like I said, I wasn't that close to it. I, I think we've probably lost a couple of guys that were really good on the offensive line. It's just going to take a little bit of time. Plus, I think you bring in a new head coach, you bring in a new offensive coordinator. There may be different ways to do things. I think a new offensive line coach. So that may be a big adjustment for the guys. You know, hopefully, you know, we'll learn and learn. You know, our, you know, if we can go up to Lexington, Virginia this weekend and you know beat BMI and start to get some momentum, confidence, and you know, I think that's part of it. Too. Too. You know, I, it's amazing what confidence and belief can do. And, you know, we lost that game to the Citadel. Did that shake our confidence a little bit? And then we come back and, you know, Furman again, you know, we right there. Can we win it? And we just start to, um, you know, are we losing confidence? You know, it's amazing how um, games are kind of won um, by belief in yourself and just saying, I'm going to make this play or whatever, you know. So, um, like I say, I, don't, I wish I knew. I wish I could go down there and help. I could teach them how to shoot free throws, but I'm not sure I can <laughs> teach them how to pass block or run block, you know. So I know we're working hard at it. Yeah, that's uh, It's interesting. All these one-score games, there does feel like a, a lot of parity in the Southern Conference. Obviously, ETSU has ridden that roller coaster. There have been years where they've all gone one way. There have been years where they've all gone the other way. Um, what's it like to compete in that environment? From an administrative standpoint, you're trying to build a team that can sort of rise above that fray. Uh, but how much fun is it week to week to go in not knowing what you're going to get in terms of an outcome? Because this every game comes down to the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I think last year was, you know, an example of games coming down to the fourth quarter and us making plays. This year we just haven't done it, you know. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's tough, but it's also kind of, you know, it's kind of exciting. You know, every game's, you know, you go in there and um, you're not sure, but you're going to be in there and you're just, you know, you're just so close. And so hopefully – Hopefully, you know, we can just get over that hump, get a couple of W's under our belt, and then guys have the confidence to go out there and, and, and play. Um, like I said earlier, you know, I think there's been some some things, you know, ETSU could have done different. I think there's some things we could have done better, some mistakes that we made. You know, we're looking at those things and trying to get those corrected. And, and I can promise you um, we're not going to make those same mistakes again. So... Um, I just hope everybody will kind of uh, not give up and be there and support it. You know, I think that's the best thing we can do right now, you know, is, is encourage and be there. And um, I can promise you that, you know, we're going to 
uh, try to do everything we can to support this team and this staff and uh, reach out to the community. One of the things I think is so important for us is to have this community support and, you know, this Tri-Cities area and, you know, Northeast Tennessee and has been really good to ETSU and we want to be able to be something that, you know, everybody here is proud of. So I really appreciate, you know, the, the folks, you know, um, caring enough to um, reach out to Jay and have these questions and um, you know I'll answer what I can when I can you know some of the answers a lot of them I don't have answers to but I, I'll tell you what I know yeah uh, I think I think we've grilled you enough I don't know where Jay went uh, maybe he just couldn't take the heat I don't know but uh, Doc Sander inside the dome uh, here on the Jay and Keith show all right oh sorry now first of all hey you're back I mean a man can't go to the bathroom yeah ex- exactly in the middle of a conversation with the athletic director no you can't I mean Come on, you've been in nature, enough. You've been in enough nine a.m. meetings. You've been in enough nine a.m. meetings to know that that it is it is impolite, and you will be frowned upon for for conducting such activity during the meeting. All right, just going to wrap it up, Doc. That's all the questions we had so far. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. Our first inside the dome, Keith. First one for you too. And you know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, depending on how this goes, I mean, we're certainly going to do more of these. I don't know that it's a weekly thing, Doc, but depending on how questions come up or concerns or people want to send questions um to me to keith to you whoever um direct message uh, whatever they want to do um you know even put it out there on the twitter sphere you know i think we've tried to set up and why you did this was just you know try to you know, be honest try to be yeah. transparent you don't have all the answers but and there's certain things let's be honest they could ask that legally speaking you may yeah. not be able to say stuff, but if you can comment on things, I think you've at least shown that you're willing to do that. Yeah, and, you know, I appreciate, you know, the people I know. Some people are frustrated, and, you know, that uh, I get it. They care. You know, I'd much rather have people care than not care. So um, do we always feel comfortable with people, you know, people asking these questions? Eh, probably not, but, you know, we're going to try to answer them the best we can, and I acknowledge, you know, mistakes have been made. We're going to try to do the best we can and look at what has happened in the past and hopefully do better. So people have ideas about how we can do better. Hey, tell me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm clearly not the smartest guy in the, in the uh, area, but, you know, trying to do what we can. Say what? Oh yeah, not Dr. Sander, by the way. That is for our new segment. I, I probably should have clear. I probably should have played something else and then played that. You might should have. What you want to do it again? Say what? You're having way too much fun say with the instant what? replay. Actually, no, you haven't even begun to have fun with the instant replay. I've seen you have fun with the instant replay. Yeah, this is tame. This is tame. This for is me. this is like a four on a scale of one to ten. All right, new segment. Say what? So we we play quotes from around the world of sports. We'll include and today we have six. Four of them are audio. Two of them will be read, but we have six quotes from the world of sports. I love a dramatic reading. And we start with the the new ball coach, the young ball coach. I mean, Steve Spurrier was the old ball coach, right? I think this guy might be the new ball coach. Man, you you guys think I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with our offense and our team? You, you, you might as well make it up. I, I saw today where there's headlines in the paper that, you know, I'm going to keep it a secret what we're going to do with Bryce. I'm, that's, it sounded like me making that statement. But it re- I've never said that. 
but it, it was there in black and white. Like, so you can make up whatever you want to make up. You know, look at somebody else's running quarterback and say they should put these plays in. I think that'd be a better way to do it. Yeah, I've never. Who was that guy? I'm that was, that was Nick Saban. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, Nicky Poo. What? Uh, yeah. So obviously, uh, let's try to dissect that. Um, somebody wrote in print. If I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, somebody wrote in print what they were going to do or not do with his with his with his quarterback situation. Yeah. Um, they have the they have the week off, but he got he got pretty fired up about um, things are going on. Obviously, Bryce Young is injured. Right, that's a big part of it. So now it's like, okay, well, do you have a new quarterback? Do you have specialty package? Do you use more of that specialty package? And he got frustrated because people are interpreting things that he hasn't said. Like they're uh, just assuming gotcha. things. He's assuming that he's going to keep it under wraps, what they're going to do with Bryce Young, what they're going to do with the quarterbacks until the day of the game. Um, it's probably actually a fair assumption, but he treats it like he's being quoted or having had said that in the past. Mm. Him being mad at the media. A tale as old as time. I mean, we're in the media. Mm-hmm. I think he hates us. Yeah. The Janky Show specifically on its third episode. I, I agree. I agree. We are rat poison. Okay. We are. We are rat. We are the poison, most poisonous of rat poison. All right. Uh, ne- next quote comes from someone we know well talking about someone we're a big fan of. It's someone we are a big fan of talking about someone we're a big fan of. Uh, you know, in practice, you know, it, it's it's just fun watching uh watching him fly around. You know, he got a lot of energy. Uh, he really Chandler don't he don't talk too much on the field. He just let his play uh do the talking. But he, he's a ball player for sure, and he's uh it's fun to be around him, especially when he's playing and making plays and flying around the way he does. Uh, so that's about Chandler Martin. That's ETSU linebacker Jalen Porter talking about fellow freshman linebacker Chandler Martin. Uh, I agree, uh, and I don't know if he talks a lot. Uh, on the field or not it's hard to say since i'm in the booth but i will say he is does not strike me as a extrovert just running down the hallways yelling at people high-fiving everybody now not he doesn't like his teammates not he won't talk to you not that he's a young man that isn't well-mannered or anything like that but he, he he does not come across that way but he does on the football field run around with angry intentions he plays with the and he saves all that energy that you normally have in conversation and he plays with that energy and so it just filters out to the rest of the team i think the guys it's clear the guys love playing with him you know the veterans love when i i asked jalen that question on monday at the press conference and he he had a smile on his face like he's like yeah i'm ready to talk about this guy this guy needs 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 a little shine um and Chandler Martin was phenomenal on Saturday. In the first half especially, just hits with such explosiveness when he gets to the football. Whoever's got the football is in for a very rough 45 seconds. It is interesting because I asked coach, um, defense coordinator, linebacker coach Billy Taylor, who could he compare Chandler Martin to? And he really struggled and normally he doesn't. Normally he can give me because he knows I can dive, delve into the 90s players through, you know, the ones that have currently played to mm-hmm. kind of know the comparison. And he just struggled, and he finally said, uh, you know, Chandler's kind of in his own category, but I don't know if I can say that because he's not done – he's not played a game yet, and when you say that, sometimes people expect a lot. 
But clearly, Billy Taylor saw something <laughs> in Chandler <laughs> Martin to so. say, ah, he's pretty good. And, you know, he's I don't know if he's going to be Mario Hankerson, the all-time leading tackler in school history. He's going to be Dylan Weigel, more of a current one. Is he going, you know, he's, he's, he's definitely not old man Jared Folks, right? He's certainly younger and the body's held up a little more. You know, is he, is he going to be kind of Donovan Manuel-esque? You know, Weigel was different than Manuel. Is he Colton Lakes? Just I mean, I don't know. He he didn't have, you know, really anything he could come up with there. But still, it has been a, a but to see what he's done on the linebacking side, that second mm-hmm. level, and then what Elijah Huzzy's done on the third level. They've just those two are having an incredible All American type seasons. Yes, uh, I got I got another question. You want to talk about confidence? Quiet confidence. He didn't say much, but he said a lot at the same time. Here's the quote: <clears throat> He's a really great player. If I was never born. I think he would deserve the first spot. End quote. That's from Victor Wembanyama, the uh, projected first overall pick in the 2023 NBA draft, discussing projected number two pick Scoot Henderson. If I was never born, I think he deserved to be the number one overall pick. Say what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, that's confidence. That is a ton of confidence. Yeah. Like, it's like, I respect him. He's a great player. I'm better than he is. Yep. And, and if I wasn't on this planet... If I, if I didn't exist... Probably he'd be number one. Maybe. He'd probably be number one. Yeah. I mean, just it was, it's not even one. like... Like, for sure, it was almost like, you know, if I wasn't here, I guess he'd be number one. It's like, I, you no, know. I, I think he would deserve it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, but... Uh, wow. <laughs> now, I, you know, listen, it, you, a lot of people don't get to that point if they don't believe in themselves, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of that where my mother told me one time, you know, nobody will love you if you, if you, if you don't love yourself. Yeah. And then she immediately regretted that and then told me nobody loves me more than me. And I was like, well, you told me to love myself. So I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. You can't, you can't talk to me both ways, Mom. What are we talking about here? So, uh, wow. Uh, brazen, and I love it. I'm here for it. So, Wembenyama uh, played in his uh, first game for G League Ignite. Uh, he had 37 points in the game. Um, in his pro debut, go ahead. Yeah, that was uh, very impressive. In uh, I'm looking for the other numbers because he also had some other numbers. I think it was like five block. Yeah, it was five blocks and seven threes. Oh, that's a good day. I'm not gonna lie. That's, he's, uh, he's a. If you're set- gonna back it up, right? if you're gonna talk yeah. it, at least back it. At least, at least he didn't come out two for fourteen. And, right. Uh, yeah, I'll give him that. He's seven foot five. I'm trying to fathom a seven foot. Yeah, five inch was, tall human. Yeah, yeah. I guess Kenny George was seven 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 six. Okay, yeah, went, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that was a long time ago. Yeah. Let's get uh, back into football, shall we? How about some shenanigans on Monday Night Football? And here comes a stoppage in play because someone has run on the field with a smoke bomb that is pink, and he's running up the sideline. Now a couple of Rams come over there and make the tackle head first into the player who has taken the field and he's in a cloud of pink smoke so you can't see him and now on him are a couple of security guards Kevin I think this is becoming a thing we got the pink smoke coming again this is one of those gender reveals somebody at home's having a girl now well I thought maybe I thought maybe that the last one we saw was uh, for some animal rights or something like that oh yeah I I don't know I, I just think hey you think about the way to reveal that you're having a, a, a girl. I'm going to run out on the field at the 49er game and get arrested just so I can let my honey at home know we're having a girl. That guy is headed into the slammer. Kevin Harlan just seems he to. He always gets He these, always gets he? those. Yes. 
Yes. I agree, though. Gender reveals getting out of hand in Santa Clara. Way better than mine. I did like a cake. I mean, or something. No, cake's fine. Like, cake's good. Cake's dope. Some people are doing like, they're firing off ordnance in the desert and starting wildfires. Like, I mean, just way too much out west. I'm too too fat not to eat cake, so I went with cake. Agreed. Um, Agreed. I I don't know. Uh, But yeah, Kevin, it's kind of like anytime you want a dramatic finish, you're old David Jackson up in a chair and say, call it. And then he gets those. Somehow he gets every one of those games. And it's, oh, it, you know, it's like Gus Johnson on the NCAA basketball tournament. Like when he was doing NCAA basketball, he had all those games. You know, now he's on yep. Fox football. He's not getting as many, uh, you know, because he does the, the my beloved Big Ten. But still, mm-hmm. not getting that many big games. But, yes, Kevin Harlan, whenever there is something go awry, he's always on the Westwood One call. Yes. And he's great is. at it. He, is, he leans yeah. in. A lot of guys don't lean into that. He leans into it and gives the full play-by-play of what's going to go on there. Yeah, and it's really spectacular. Kevin Harlan is uh, he's a, he is a beloved figure in Minnesota because he started out with the Timberwolves. Hey, so. Easy Rider, that yes, was a big tagline he had back in the day. Yes, it was, and he was uh, really really fun. And now they hate uh, him because he does like the Packers or something. So <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I think so. he does the Packers on a normal basis. Anyways, maybe. Uh, I got another print quote here. <clears throat> quote: Aaron Judge is the new clean home run king. All the young kids who watched Aaron Judge set the single-season record for home runs, you finally have someone to revere. No more trying to explain to you how someone could possibly hit 73 home runs. End quote from Roger Maris Jr. on Aaron Judge's 62nd home run last night. A lot of controversy around the ETSU athletic offices because we've got a Yankees fan and we got Yankees haters, and then there was a lot of talk of why does anyone care? And then, of course, he went with, well, it's an AL record, which – it is, but but there's no longer any significance of the, there's no longer significant difference between the AL and the NL. DH came to the NL. There's interleague play all over. It doesn't really matter. It's more like conferences now. It's like the AFC and the NFC. Who cares? And then uh, it, it went to the juicing, and we got into that. Our so it's, it's a hot topic. I think more people were upset uh, with the amount of cut-ins uh, that were going. I on. was. Uh, I, I almost. I almost. Uh, did a cut in too. I was uh, I had it clipped for a second, and I was just going to randomly play on the board just in the middle of this for Aaron Judge. But it, I, I did it because he hadn't hit sixty two, and then he hit sixty two, so I didn't think it was as funny, so I didn't do it. But yes, the amount of cut ins, I think uh, they I, went a little over. Sean McDonough. I don't know if you have that one. Sean McDonough lost it because I guess it was Clemson Wake was getting was in overtime, <laughs> and he did a cut in, and he said on air, guys. Can we wait till the game's over? We're in overtime here before we cut in again. I mean, just, I mean, upset uh, visually, and rightfully too. so. Right. right. And then, you know, uh, secretary, I thought when you are going into that quote, I thought uh, RG3 had one. I was like, oof, you're not going to play that one, are you? But, no, I have no – I don't have anything from RG3. Oof. I'll give you those offline. Those are – Yeah, no, our, our, most of RG3's yeah. tweets should probably not be tweeted. Oh, no, this was set on air. This was an innu- innuendo. One of those innuendos. He also does those as well, and those should probably not be on air. Yeah, the old innuendos. Okay. He's yeah. being followed around by a Shiba Inu with a baseball bat. If you know what that means, welcome to the internet. Um, honestly, like, who who cares about Aaron Judge? Like, I, I, I think if, it, if, if this were well, happening... I mean, people care about him. If, if, he played for the, if he played for the Tigers, would anyone care? Yeah. Eh. Somebody, somebody care? A Tiger person fans would, would care. care. 
A person would care. Yeah. The some, owner of the Tigers, what is it, Peter Illich now that, that inherited the team I from mean, Mike? I mean, he'd probably be trying Detroit, Keith. He'd probably be that. trying to trade Judge for a King's Ransom right now. Well pa- month past the trade deadline. Listen, like most good Cubs fans, once June hits, I watch Canadian football. So okay. I, oh, I can't really man of man of taste. Yeah, I'm very very upset that the uh, Elks are the new new name, but I get what they did for Ed Edmonton. But uh, the logo does look good. Like for, it does. for as far as rebrands go, a lot of those go wrong. And, that and, one and went pe- right. And people don't don't, don't don't come at me on being a fair weather Elks fan. I can go Warren Moon on you. We can go back to the Warren Moon days and talk about some of the players. Anyways. Yeah. But uh, my, I, my I, take I on it is MLB yeah. didn't care at the time when Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were setting home run records, so why should I? That's kind of right. my stance on it. We got one more? We got one more Say from one of your favorite people in the universe. We've got to be a program that we bring guys in. We develop guys. And then, you know, they leave in four years. Um, the graduate transfers, we won't have access to those guys. Um, again, not an excuse, but it is what it is. And I think the, the landscape in college football has changed, to your point. Um, I think a lot of teams now, what they do is they say, okay, we're losing 13 seniors this year. We're losing 14 seniors this year. So instead of going out like you used to and get 14 freshmen and developing them through your program, you may get five or six freshmen and then the rest of them you're bringing in older guys who are, again, not coming from, and these guys are coming from West Virginia, Mm -hmm. Virginia Tech, guys that have played. So um, that makes it real difficult. It really does. And I think it's something that we're going to have to continue to address and continue to look at uh, from a program and really from the the top down in terms of how we want to approach uh, this transfer portal and and how we find our niche uh, within that. Do you know that was? That was Josh Conklin. Conklin. I was so my first inclination, the first sentence he mm-hmm. said I thought was Conklin, mm-hmm. and then in the middle there when he said West Virginia, Virginia Tech, my mind went to another coach, which would have been the other one I thought you would go with. But I, yeah. I was I was going to go with that's, that's with Josh Conklin. Conklin on his coach's show, which you can find on the Wofford Terriers YouTube channel. I encourage mm-hmm. you to go. Which uh, since he won't call you back, you'll have to get good quotes from there as opposed <laughs> to him. Uh, wow, wow. Uh, he's the only coach um, in the league that doesn't call us. Uh, I thought Mike Gallagher was gonna burn the place down when he found out he that he was not gonna to talk to us. Okay. Which is um, which is why Gallagher is a flamethrower anytime you say Josh Conklin's name. And I will say this. The- well I, I I would say um it's interesting to me that this is what, year four of the transfer portal in earnest mm-hmm. and coaches are still trying to figure out how exactly they want to deal with it and approach it. Like nobody has any clear answers. Certainly not at this level, where you your turnover is almost baked in at the top end of your roster. So, the, and the biggest issue with a couple of SoCon schools, like for VMI, it's been decimated. They don't have yes. A, there's no grad school program. It's awful. Wofford only has one or two selected postgraduate degrees, and generally they're not things that athletes would go in. From what I was told, I don't know what those are. But basketball, for an example. They lost three or four graduate tri- – Storm Murphy, for an example, and said, well, there's – There are a couple guys that went to Chattanooga, yeah. There's n- there's nothing to – where where would they go? Like, mm-hmm. like, they can't – like, unfortunately, they've done their four years. And to me, guy graduates in four years mm-hmm. and has a degree from a university, and I'll use Traymond Shorts as an example, got his degree, did everything he could eat tissue. They want to go somewhere. I don't have an issue with that. Now, I see why some fans could have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. My general concern is the – Guy that was here for a year, didn't get his immediate playing time, and then go and take now maybe a two year guy. I don't know. You know, Donovan Manuel tried to go up. I don't think it's worked out real well for mm-hmm. him. You know, um, 
I don't know if Dominic got his degree. I know Tremont did. So that's why when a lot of people were talking about Tremont, I was like, well, he got his degree. He got two championships. He did the best he could, and he's going to LSU. Like, that's hard to for me to sit there and say, you know, what, what do you criticize him for? Mm-hmm. But for Wofford, it's a little it, – it's not a little – it is tougher because of the lack of postgraduate degrees. For VMI, it's impossible. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing – for Citadel, they're starting to figure out – Hey, we can sell these guys on living in Charleston. Yes. And you, you don't have to wear the uniform. You can live mm-hmm. off post if you're in graduate school. Yep. So you're not doing the cadet life. Right. And so that's an easy sell. But for a couple of schools, and I know people are probably, if you're driving, running off the road because I, I'm semi-defending Josh Conklin here. I mean, he honestly, I think for him it is very difficult uh, because he's got to get guys that are one or two years that's got a couple years left. Right. He's not going to be able to get a four-year guy. And I don't know that that's specifically what he's talking about, uh, just in that bite. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but he is making a point that I think a lot of people are. You know, if you're bringing 15, 20, say you bring in 25 freshmen, mm-hmm. and at the end of the year because of either academics, transferring, whatever, um, you lose 10 of those guys. Well, if you bring another 25 freshmen in and you lose another 10, well, all of a sudden you're, you're way behind. You can't get yeah. mature. And so – nowadays because guys are leaving not just four or five generally speaking you lose four or five guys out of every class because of other stuff besides of football it's just general attrition yes now you're losing 10 to 12 extra guys and now all of a sudden Mm -hmm. that's where the issue comes into play for josh conklin and those guys but i think people are still trying to figure out how to navigate and i think coaches are ingrained well we're gonna and he said it we're going to get freshmen, we're going to develop, we're going to do whatever, we're going to develop, it's the system, and those are harder to do, I think, at a certain level. Well, it's one thing to go get those players. It's another thing to get them to buy into the point that they stay. And this is what this is something that separates North Dakota State. And I don't mean to make every connection to NDSU, right? But it's the standard bearer for the level. I was just there for six years. I saw all this up close. It, North Dakota State brings in a ton of high school players, and... They develop those players, and they get them bought in. And I was talking with David Lilly, the head men's soccer coach, about this the other day. You have to find, in this time where um, athletes have mobility that is similar to that of regular college students, which is, you know, philosophically, they are regular college students who happen to play a high-level sport. Uh, You have to get really creative with ways to get young athletes invested in in your program to the point that they are committed to seeing it grow and flourish and prosper and by extension staying for four years or five years or however long it takes for them to see that through and that is something that I think everybody has to come to a little bit differently some schools have been really really good at it some sports at schools that maybe aren't football uh, those those programs have been really really good at doing that but um, a lot of places haven't figured out how it is that they're going to bring in those young players and keep them there for three, four, five years uh, so that you can maximize their potential instead of losing 10 to 15 guys every year. Because North Dakota State, they figured it out. They lose maybe two guys off the roster every year. They lost Jabril Cox as a grad transfer to LSU. Adam Cofield went to Western Kentucky. It didn't really work out for him. Uh, he And Jasir Cox went to West Virginia. And I think they lost one other guy as a grad transfer that I can't remember off the top of my head. Josh Hayes went to Virginia, cornerback. Um, 
they don't lose many guys and they don't lose them typically until very late in their careers because those players realize, okay, I have a shot at the NFL. I've got my degree. I fulfilled my commitment. Let's see if I can take this pro shot by playing at the highest level possible. And everybody's okay with that. Um, but it's the young guys that stick it out that are bought in. And there are certain exceptions, right? Joe Schreiber is an exception to that. He wasn't going to see the field. He wasn't very close to seeing the field. And he wanted to go play. He went to a really good JUCO program in Iowa. And then he ended up at North Dakota State. And now he's a starting center at the same level. So um, sometimes it works out for people. A lot of times it doesn't work out for anybody. Um, but ultimately what you got to do if you want kids to stay in your program is find ways to generate that buy-in and that's really difficult because it's a whole new frontier and coaches have not been asked to jump through some of these hoops ever in their development as coaches until they get to the head coach role. They've never had to do that before. And so I think the next generation of college football head coaches that will matriculate up the system over the next 10 years will probably be better at that than the coaches that are there right now. But it's still something that those guys are going to have to adapt to. That's like you just matriculate. Yeah. I knew you would like that one. I knew you'd like that. It's one of the few ones I know. That's what I was excited about. It. So yeah, I, I feel like we got so when on the on the NDSU broadcast, we did a word of the day with Colhane, Jeff Colhane. Oh yeah, uh, we had we did a word of the day. I think I think we got to give you got to give me a word of the day, and I will give you a word of the day, and we will work those in during the podcast. Well, it would be the fourth word of the day because I have three fans that send me their words of the day already. Oh, uh, uh, okay. But you'll know their words because it's completely. You know, like enamel was the other day, and I had to talk. Enamel. About, I had to talk about how white the ham- helmets were, like the uh, the enamel of Matt Wilhelm's teeth. The enamel you know? finish, yeah. Yeah. So you know, I, I mean, there's ways. There's ways. I mean, there's, you know, there's. It's not as fun. I think we would come up with more fun words, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they definitely pernicious. Ooh, I like pernicious. Good one. Yeah. See if you can use that one on Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that is the new segment. Say what? There you have it. Say what? Say what? You're really going to have fun with that. I am. I'm going to have fun with it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. Uh, when we come uh, – well, not when we come back. We're not going anywhere. I need to get up. You, you get, 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 I, I'm get, getting get, up. Get, get up. Get up. Let Benavia get in here. She has waited patiently in the green room. Do we have a green room? Uh, I was, we have your, a hallway. Your yeah. office is our green room because the studio is adjoined to your new office. It is. I do have a new office that overlooks their, so uh, the bathroom who, who, or something. Who is who? Who are we honoring with our green room? Because we honored the green. We had the honorary green room in in Fargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a green room now. Who is John Stevens? It's not even close. John. Yeah. yeah. I Johnny agree. Stevens. Johnny. Johnny. Oh yeah. Still ensign John Stevens, or is he promoted? Was he like uh, lieutenant he got commander? promoted? He got promoted. Is he le- lieutenant? Lieutenant commander? Commander? Mm, captain? Now that I'm not a Navy guy, so uh, I know it's uh, 04, but I'd have to go back and look at that. He's an 04. Yeah. Well, once we get his rank. Frank, we will we will make it the John Stevens Honorary Green Room. Yes, I agree. Back on the Jay and Keith Show, and ETSU Volleyball is blistering hot right now. They've won 10 of their last 11, 4-0 to start the Southern Conference season, and delighted to be joined by the head coach of the Bucks, Benavia Jenkins, and 
But Avi, it's great to see you. Uh, you're getting in now to year four uh, of this adventure and really feels like this group is firing on all cylinders. How much fun is it to come to work every day when your group is playing so well together like they are right now? Well, of course, it's, it's great. Um, we have some really good players this year, um, not just what they're doing on the court, but just off the court, just young ladies that want to be a part of this program, that's bought into the program, um, great personality. So we just have fun a lot in practice as well. So it just makes a coach's job a little bit easier. <laughs> I look at this group and I look at the stats and the standings because I haven't had the chance to sit down and really drill down into film or video or watch much yet because I just got back to campus. But what I see is a team that doesn't lead the SOCON in any one statistical category, but also isn't lower than fifth in pretty much everything. That, that strikes me as a team that's very balanced all over the floor. Is that the identity that you're looking for? A team that just does everything well at the same time? Yeah, so having a balance and just consistency is really huge for us. Um, we want everybody to do their job and do their job well. And I think our job, our team is just doing a nice job at just understanding their roles and what they need to bring to um, practice in, in each match. Taylor Roberts leads your team in digs. We talk about the back row and how important that can be for defense. Sometimes it's just as simple as keep the ball off the floor and you get somebody in here with the experience of playing at a power five level at Florida State. How much has she added to your defensive mix this, this season? Yeah, Taylor Roberts, um, just very quick on the floor, reads the game well. Um, but a lot of that goes into her other teammates, uh, Sydney Cherney and Haley Sanders, that challenges her every single day and, and compete to win that position in every practice. Um, so, of course, it makes her have to do the little things well and and for her to continue to earn that spot. But she's very consistent. Um, she makes the big digs. Her, her attitude on the court is great. I mean, she's just a gritty player, fun to play with, fun to be around, and it just makes it makes it a lot easier just to want to be on the court with her. This team is so young. A ton of freshmen <laughs> and sophomores. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like a player like Taylor, a player like London Kaufman, who's been around for a little bit in the program. Uh, those are players that are, are really important to help uh, set a culture and set a standard for this group. How valuable have your leaders been, whether it's London, Olivia Cunningham, Taylor Roberts, down the list, your older players that have been, uh, whether it's in this program or in Division One volleyball for a really long time. How important has that leadership been in, in getting this talented group of young players to play well together? Yeah, um, I think think this is all about our culture. Uh, we've been working on this for four years. So London Kaufman, um, Olivia Cunningham, Lauren Hatch, uh, Sydney Cherney, they came in with me um, my first year. And so that that culture that we've been building, um, and they're a part of the leadership committee as well. So it really just helped our freshmen and our younger players pretty much dive in because they're just great leaders across the board. London was the SOCON Defensive Player of the Week this week. Has been really, really strong for you in the front row. Um, how much does just having that that dominant middle 
help your other players to, to, to find where they can best excel, especially front row defense, blocking the ball, uh, and maybe taking some pressure off of those back row players. Yeah, so London has dived into her role. Um, and she's a, she's a senior. She's given everything that she has. So we work a lot on blocking, um, a lot on eye sequence in our gym. And I think it just finally clicked with her. So we tell her, like, hey, you can be one of the top middles in this conference. You just have to make sure we're taking care of the, you know, X, Ys, and Zs. And I think she's bought into her role on the court and she's executing. What's your relationship like with her? As, as I mean, you've been here as long as she has. <laughs> and, you know, she was here when you got here, more or less. A player that was signed, a uh, letter of intent came in as part of your first recruiting class that kind of was and kind of wasn't yours because yep. that's how it goes when you get hired as a new head coach somewhere. Um, what's what's your relationship grown like with London and, and what kind of person has she become? Yeah, I mean, since I really trained the middles um, in the gym, our relationship is <laughs> – it's – nothing less than than complicated <laughs> um we london and i have grown to have that um in the beginning i think she probably would say that coach was super tough on her very hard and um but now as a senior she she understands what i'm asking um she's able to communicate with me and just you know open up about you know open up with other things and not just with volleyball just life in general um she's she's my girl i i mean i know i can count on her if i'm like hey can you have i mean i need whitley to step up i need you to talk to whitley and she's like i got you coach um so she's stepped up into this leadership role and um our relationship is is great uh, Badavia Jenkins, ETSU head volleyball coach, is our guest on the Jay and Keith show. And um, I, I feel like it's got to be really interesting to have uh, a position group that you work especially with when you're also the head coach because you think about it in basketball terms, usually the position coach is the good guy and, and the head coach has to draw the hard line and get after it a little bit. Right. So how do, how do you play that balancing act, coaching a position as well as being the one in charge? I have I have no problem being in charge. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but I think I've I've built a, a solid um, foundation with each of my student athletes, um, and like all of them aren't coached the same. I have to stroke them all differently. Um, but I think for me, I'm very consistent in how I I train the middles and how I train the team. So I think there's, there's a lot of respect uh, with between myself and, and my coaching staff and our players. But Avia, uh, you brought, you brought up an interesting point with London that you had to, you know, kind of get on her a little bit early in her career. Yeah. And I feel like coaches do that because it comes from a place of, I brought you here for a reason. The reason is because I think you have enormous potential and I need you to, to get to where I think you can be. And so you get on players when you think they're not performing at the level that they are capable of. How challenging is it to get players to buy into that? And how bought into that message of, I'm going to get after you, but it's because I believe in your talent. Uh, how bought in is this young group that you've got around you? Well, I think... Um... 
for for me, I that's one thing that I talk a lot about in my recruiting process, that I'm a tough coach. I'm going to push you um, and you'll figure it out fast if this is a culture you want to be a part of, if you don't want to be a part of it. Um, so we, we try to be very honest in that recruiting process. So the players that we ha- have here now, they want to be pushed. They want to be coached. They're bought into what we're teaching in the gym. Um, so I think one thing that I try my best to do is still remember them as who they are as people versus what they do for me as a player. Um, So if it was a tough practice, I would get on them and practice. But once that last ball is dropping, we're walking around shagging balls and, and tearing down the nets. It's, we're talking about things outside of volleyball. Um, so we don't try to, you know, carry on, oh, it's such a bad practice. It's like, no. So what what did you do today in school? Mm-hmm. Um, how's your family? Um, so tell me about your, your dog or whatever. Like yeah. we try to have different conversations to let them know like, hey, I know that I'm in this authoritative position as your coach, but I'm also human. Um, And I have your back and I care about you more as a person than as a player. Working with young people keeps you young as well. (laughs) Have you, have you stayed up on some trends? Like, have you been introduced to some stuff by your players from those conversations? Yeah, I wouldn't say that I like the trends. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yes, I, they say a lot of things throughout practice that I have no clue, but it's funny. Um, But there's still a part of me that's still old school. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, uh, they got me into this TikTok thing. Um, and sometimes I can just <laughs> go in a dark hole with that and I'm trying oh, yeah. not to be a part of oh, that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'm learning some, you know, different dance moves because my team likes to dance. So that's, that's fun too. But yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the ETSU volleyball TikTok account then. Awesome. No, I, I know, I know what you mean though. Like you can go just down a rabbit hole, lying in bed at night. It's 1030. You're yes. getting ready to go to sleep. You should probably be asleep. Yep. And you're just flipping <laughs> through videos of people putting Southern accents on their cats. And yes. It's just, it's, it's that kind of thing. Um, this this young group, you've gone really all over the country to get players. Players from Texas, players from Michigan, players from Ohio, Florida, Virginia, Minnesota. I want to talk to you about the player from Appleton, Wisconsin, Brianna Cantrell. You're really spoiled for choice up front. You've got some players that have been really, really effective for you at the pins. For a freshman to come in and do what Brianna's done for you offensively, what does she have to have and and what's impressed you the most about her hitting the ground running in college volleyball? <laughs> yeah, so um, Brianna, Brianna and I had a conversation um, when we found out that Olivia Cunningham um, probably would not be ready to go full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, hey, Bree, you're going to have to step into another role. Um, but I've watched you play in club. I know that you can do it. She's probably one of the most consistent outsides that we do have in the gym right now. Um, and she's just basically bought into this role. And she is she is great. But not only just what she does on the court, I mean, she's a funny kid. <laughs> so <laughs> she, she likes to have a good time. Um, we try not to stress a lot with her, just teaching her what she needs to know to, you know, get through her freshman year. Um, but this, this, I mean, Brianna has such a high ceiling and I'm, I'm super excited to see what her future holds here. The left pin is kind of the place where teams put their big finisher. And ETSU has a tradition of players that have been really good at the left pin. Obviously, Megan Devine rewrote the record book here. Leah Clayton's been really, really good. Um, What is it that makes a young player able to step in there, besides obviously the power that you need to get through probably a lot of double teams, I would imagine, once you've proven that you can be effective? 
Um, I think it's the teammates. Um, so they, I mean, from our three DSs on the back row, right? I mean, from the pass to attack, um, you know, from our blocking in the gym, like getting her to be able to swing around a big block, be able to execute kills. Um, so it, it, it's, it's coming from her teammates that makes her better every single day in practice. UNCG and Western Carolina this week. Uh, what can we expect from these two teams? And uh, what kind of fight is your group in for as they go on the road? Uh, particularly the Catamounts, already 3-1. and one. They're second in the league. Uh, Spartans have played a tough schedule. They're 2-2 two and two right now. Uh, what, what do you expect from this, this road trip into North Carolina? Yeah, so we're going to take one match at a time. Um, UNCG has some really nice athletes on their team. Good, fast, jumping um, pins and medals. Um, we have to be prepared for their band that comes in, their cheerleaders. So they bring a <laughs> lot of energy. Um, so just being able to, you know, prepare for that. Um, so we'll play some loud music in the gym just so they can be able to, you know, focus through all the distractions there. Um, WCU, they've, you know, took down NC State and Wake Forest. So they, I mean, two ACC teams and um, they're looking great this year. I think we just have to, you know, focus on our game, stay consistent. Um, and, and hopefully it works for the best for us. <laughs> the fourth year head volleyball coach at ETSU is off to a 4-0 start in SoCon play. Benavia Jenkins with us on the Jay and Keith Show. Benavia, Great to sit down with you. Looking forward to working with you uh, a great deal over the next uh, eight, ten weeks. And, hey, maybe even a little bit longer, knock on wood. Yes. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but uh, appreciate you, and uh, we'll see you on TikTok soon, I guess. <laughs> Thank you. All right, Benami Jenkins uh, puts a wrap on show. That would, But she's great. She's really good. She's really good. And like myself and my fiancé, she is a late-night TikTok scroller. Love it. I love it. That's just eminently relatable. Instantly, most relatable coach on campus. I'm a 10-year-old, so she speaks TikTok. I do not, as you know. Yes, I would imagine so. All right, tell you what I do speak, which is uh, Jane Keith. We'll be back actually on Thursday, tomorrow. We're recording on Wednesday. We're going to talk ETSU football versus VMI. We're going to give you our thoughts on that. Thoughts around the Southern Conference. We'll do a uh, yep. new pick six. Pick six, yes. That'll be the new feature tomorrow. All right, we'll do that. So ETSU VMI coming up this weekend. Hopefully on Wednesdays we'll have an opportunity to talk more players, more coaches. Inside the Dome, I don't know if it'll be weekly, but we'll certainly have Doc Sander on again tomorrow. ETSU VMI, full breakdown. Jane Keith. Spiders, what's that work? Another Apple